Welcome to the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you manage your money better, invest wisely, retire early, and grow your wealth for you and your family and live your best life. My name is Tony Thomas, Charter Financial Planner, Pension Specialist, and Money Coach. I've advised thousands of people over the last 30 years. I'm going to share with you real life stories and everything that you need to know to build a financially secure future and a great lifestyle. If you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. I'm really pleased to be joined by Fenella Hemas today. So a big welcome to you, Fenella, and thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you, Tony. It's lovely to be here this afternoon. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Fenella is an LLP master coach and trainer. So, Fenella, please introduce yourself and tell us more about you, your business, and how you help others in the many different ways that you do. Okay, so as Tony said, I am a master NLP practitioner and a trainer of NLP, timeline therapy, and hypnosis so on the one hand i use these these techniques and tools this toolkit if you like to um, enable people to get over their blocks get unstuck at the deepest level so a lot of the time is we're just scratching around on the surface when we solve our problems and and nlp and and hypnosis and timeline therapy what they do is is they enable me to go you to go as deep um, as you can, right to the root cause of the problem and remove it. So it's not about managing or coping. It's about actually removing the things that people might have been dealing with for most of their lives, that they kind of just keep burying underneath the carpet and that actually stops people from having a happy, successful, joyful life. Um, so a lot of my clients I hear, you know, it's about managing my anxiety. Um, other clients, it's, it's a lot about self-sabotage that they're, and they're real high, high achievers. So they have this kind of um, desire to be perfect at everything. And that often comes a lot from past um, experience yeah. and past conditioning expectations that either their parents put on them um, and that they internalize and then they start putting on themselves. So that's on the one hand that I work with, with clients to do that. Um, and I find that it often just takes about six sessions so combining hypnosis, because the people, uh, a lot of people get a hypnotic induction that they listen to, which embeds their, their, their learning. By six sessions, I very, very often have clients say to me, I don't know what's happened. I feel so different. I have no idea what's been going on, um, but I just feel really different. And I will check and I'll say, well, you come to me with your problem. What do you, you know, so change. How do you feel about that? If they think change is really hard. And they're like, oh, change is exciting. Somebody else the other day is, how, how do you feel about that grief that was, you know, you were holding on to that you've had, your, had for most of your life? And they're like, it's gone, absolutely gone. So it isn't exactly like, it's not like um, waving a magic wand, but what it does is because I work with the, un we work with the unconscious mind, which yeah. is 95% of our behavior, it is about going in and changing that behavior at its, everything is coded in our minds. Um, everything is an internal representation. And if you change something, that is key in that internal representation, someone can't access it anymore. They're developing, and it's literally developing a new pattern. We okay. interrupt the pattern, and the interrupt becomes part of the new pattern. So they learn how to do something differently. If I go into the science of it very, very quickly, it's literally like we create habits, and they become like an information soup. They become like a motorway in our yeah. head. They're literally wired, really, really powerful. We can do it really, really quickly. Our brain is brilliant like that. So creating a new habit consciously can be challenging. It's like our conscious mind is telling us all of this, you know, we need to do this, we need to do this. And our unconscious mind is going, no, you don't, no, you don't. You know, it's like, it's, it's kind of we're in conflict and fighting. So willpower wears out. And by working in the unconscious mind and removing something from that nice, the motorway like moving a couple of lanes or something mm. and then what you do is you create a new a new pathway and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger so by repeating behaviors and um, by repeating and focusing on what we want so many people focus on what they don't want and if we focus on what we don't want that's exactly what we get and you know it's all cult there's loads and loads of things that come in and get involved with that 
And then the other thing I do as well is because I absolutely, I'm a trainer of over 20 plus years. It made sense for me to go and become an NLP trainer. Um, and I train coaches and I also train leaders, people who are interested in it for themselves, personal development, but also improving their coaching skills. I find I have a lot of coaches come on my training because it's about, it just goes deeper. It just goes to, you have so many tools that you can work with anybody who presents to you, anybody, literally, because you, you just know how to start to work with them. You know what questions to ask. You know how to step into that person's model of the world. So that's what I, I know. I absolutely love it because my mission is, you know, I, I can tell you, you you are so enthusiastic about it so i think one of the things i come across uh, quite often is where people do have uh, these stumbling blocks and as you've mentioned rightly earlier uh, these are often um deep rooted from childhood uh, whether that's caused by something that's happened in their lives uh, whether themselves as a fear or whether it's been uh, imparted on them uh, by adults um, but it's affecting their lives and stopping them from uh, living a much better life. Yeah, yeah, that's essentially it. And my, as I said, my background, well, I didn't say that um, we were chatting earlier, but my background is working with children. So I have that understanding of how that happens in childhood. And, and you know, that's where I got really interested in psychology and, yeah. and behavioral psychology as well. And also because um, some of the work I still do, there, there's been research around adverse childhood experiences and the effect that that has on, on terms of mental health and health outcomes when people grow up to, you know, becoming adults. And there's a huge amount, a, lot, a big piece of research that happened in the US several years ago. So lots of people who work with children now are encouraged to work from that perspective is that to be aware of how, how important it is in regards to child protection and, and safeguarding, that we've got to prevent that sort of thing happening because it has such a knock-on effect on, in life. And, and that feeling of anxiety, feelings of stress, we know that those things are actually not very good for our health anyway, and they cause illness in, in, um, when we're adults too. So um, for me personally, you know, stress for me, I think is a massive, massive, um to, to to ill health yeah, it is, um, yeah, yeah. i'm very you know my approach again is my background is also as a personal trainer and nutritionist so i combine that whole understanding of how we can keep ourselves healthy and how we can keep our mind and our body healthy and with a healthy mind you know mind body connection we sometimes you know we're educated and we kind of cut ourselves this these are like two different things <laughs> which is why I encourage all my clients to actually drop in because they're quite disconnected from their feelings and their body is to, to connect back into that and realize that actually interesting sometimes some of those pains some of those aches some of those problems disappear when they've sorted out their other problems as well I think it's, it's very much having a, a, in my sort of um, words anyway it's having a balance in every aspect of your life. And, I, and if you have something which is out of balance, out of kilt with the rest of it, then you are going to suffer as a result of that. So you need to have that balance in all the key areas of your life, whether it's your physical health, your mental health, uh, you know, your relationships, all those things, they all, they all have a big impact on how you are as a human being. So, Yeah, absolutely, definitely. And it's, it's sometimes, because I, I also am very interested in the, the resilience and building resilience um, with, other, with others. And, and that's exactly as you said, it's, it's our relationships, it's our lifestyle, as well as how we, what belief we have in ourselves as well. You know, how, um, how effective we can be and how confident we are in our own decision making as well. Yeah. And also how much... Um, uh, how much we can think we can how much control we think we have over our lives too there's quite a lot of people are, are believe that things get done to them yeah. as that they're at the yeah. effect of the world and actually that's not helpful that kind of puts us in a very disempowered position and part of what I do as an NLP trainer and and, 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 a, and with my clients is very much getting the clients to recognize that they are at cause and there is no judgment in that it is what it is we yeah. are where we are as a result of all our decisions in our life it's what we do next that counts that and 
my taking responsibility and knowing that we can affect change is incredibly empowering. And, and it's kind of just reframing the perspective that people end up having a lot of the time on their lives is that they, they have no, they have no control that they're kind of at, they're at the control of their emotions or their body or their illness or, or any of that. And that's just a very, becomes a very disempowering and energy sapping way to live because it does take away our happiness. It does take away the joy of living and the ability to believe that we can, we can create whatever we want. You know, essentially we can create whatever we want in our lives. We're not going to just do it just like that, but what we believe when we, what we think in our minds, we will create. We will see. So I think we, we are limited definitely by our beliefs, aren't we? If I, I'm, part of, I'm sure part of what you are doing is getting people to realize they can make these changes. They can uh, make their lives better going forward. They may not be able to undo what's happened in the past, but they can certainly make a change from now going forward. Yeah. So, it's, yes, and that's exactly what I support people to do. And it's, it's, it's kind of coming to terms with whatever has happened in the past. So we're not delving around in the past. I'm essentially not really interested in what has happened. I'm interested yeah. more in how the person does what they do. Right. Because okay. once we work out how they do what we call do their problem, do the pattern of behavior, do the habit, and then change something in that, change the strategy for them to do it or show, realize they have more choice and there are, and, reveal the resources they actually have which they're not paying attention to because they're just like I do this with my hands they're paying attention to their problem that's all that they can see once they start to open out their thinking and have more choice we don't take anything away from anyone it's about increasing choice for somehow somebody uh, increasing yeah their choice in their number of behaviors that they can they can actually do but also taking the emotion off past events because we only we only really really relive the, we relive the past in the present we can't and we can review it but there is no point in having you know being triggered all the time to go back to that emotion because that's going to keep us stuck so by using this the timeline therapy and hypnotherapy it's about removing the emotion that's attached to those events in one fell swoop so people have that energy released so that they can look at the future in a different way because if that's not, um, our mind is always looking for co closure. Our, our, yeah, yeah. That's what we get when we're asleep. Yeah. When we go into, you know, in sleep, we're in the dream state. Our brain is putting, it's, it's filing everything away. And all the brain, the, the brain waves are coming from all part, from different parts of the brain just to file things away and get resolution, which is why they say sleep on it. And in the morning, everything's either better or you've got an answer to whatever's going on. It, it works for me quite often. So that's my, and, uh, and, that's my yeah, approach to things. It's, it's, yeah. it's just what our brain does. And, yeah. and what it will continuously do is if we haven't resolved something, it will continuously represent it in whatever format when it knows it thinks. I think you're in a good place to deal with this now and you have, and we have the choice either to bury it yet again, or we have the choice to actually, we go through it either on our own. We, we find a way of dealing with it or with a coach or go on some training or whatever. Um, and, and finally resolve it and then realize what a release of energy there is as well, because it takes energy to hold on to things. Uh, I think negative energy is more sapping than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've you mentioned the six steps uh, to or the, the six sessions that you would do typically with uh, with a with a, a client. What is involved in in each of those steps? So essentially, they may come in different order in a different order, and and the exact processes that are used depend on the individual client. So what is going to work for them. And sometimes, you know, try things and they don't work. And that's the, the beauty of NLP is go, okay, we, it's about being um, experimental and creative. And that's why I like it because it's not about rules. Yeah. It's about stepping into the world of the client. So I client presents with, to me and they will give, they will, I will ask for their story that but we will go, we will talk yeah. about it once yeah. just to give a, a foundation. And then from there, we like really, really drill down and identify what the problem is. And often the problem isn't the one that presents that they come with. It's like we find what the problem is under what the real underlying problem is. And then 
often we kind of look at um, the limiting identifying as we're talking is limiting beliefs will come out. The negative emotions will just come out in the conversation. And mm. the questions that I ask, I will ask some questions that will cause somebody to think about their problem in a way that they maybe never thought about it before. And it's that trigger to kind of start to loosen the, essentially loosen the edges, they loosen the grip that they have on that problem to soften the edges and of course, building the whole rapport thing as well is then getting the client to start to think differently themselves. Because this is me. I'm just the, I'm the guide. It's it's all a client is doing all of this this work yeah. themselves um, and making the changes themselves. It's a do with, not a do to. And then we may look at their values in a specific area of their in a specific area of which this problem is um, is taking place. So, for example, if it's a problem around um eating and emotional eating um weight loss we will look at values in in terms of their life not health because health is life so it's bigger yeah, if we have a yeah. pot thinking about eating in our in our values for life then then we need to put that in and we can and and in nlp we can put values into somebody's unconscious mind we can okay. change the order that values mean to people because again everything is coded Every single thing is coded and it's about changing that. And that's where the subtle, the, the amazing subtlety comes in because we use all our senses. You know, we're using our senses all the time, taking information in and storing it in our yeah. mind. We're just repeating. We're just, we're just guessing what we're seeing. By the age of 35, it's essentially, you know, we might just be a set of programs and we're just kind of looking at something and we're just clicking in our mind going, oh yeah, I've seen that before. That's why we miss so many things as well. Yeah. You know, it's a magic pilot. We, we, what we we think what we see and we we miss we, we don't pay attention to anything else so then the other things i'll do is i will I, quite very very often is 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 remove the negative emotions and remove the limiting beliefs and turn the limiting beliefs into a more empowering beliefs then we'll look at whether they've got strategies that creating strategies that will enable them to be more effective in whatever thing that they are doing um, we may might, might use anchoring, so creating an anchor, which will mean that they can access a feeling or access um, uh, access a resource if they're if they're feeling challenged at any time. Yeah. So again, it's lots about repetition, but repetition in different ways. Um, creating the an environment where they're going to have the greatest opportunity for success. And I won't say chance because it's opportunity for yeah. success. And then uh, often it's embedded with um, some uh, tailored hypnosis. So it, the inductions are written for the client. They're not off the shelf. They're written for after but, I found out a little bit about the client. Yeah, they, they be spoke to that individual. Very, very, so they will connect to it. Um, and essentially that, that's it. Um, if I'm working with a client, so I do work with some business clients, if it's business coaching, then we'll look at, oh yes, we'll look at after we've removed the negative emotions um, and the, the, the limiting beliefs, we'll look at goal setting as well. Goal setting is really, really important. And NLP has what I call a, a, a way of setting goals that's like on steroids. It, it's not just smart, it's smart and more. The goal is tested. And then we will put the goal in someone's unconscious mind. And there's a process for that as well. Okay. But the purpose being is, is that we're activating what's called the reticular activating system. So um, the idea being is, is that once you've got something, the, the, the conscious mind is the goal getter. The unconscious mind is the goal. I, say, I always say that wrong. The unconscious mind is the goal setter. The unconscious mind is the goal getter. So we need right. to make it the most compelling, the most powerful goal that um, someone has that idea when you're wanting to buy a car and you suddenly you see that car everywhere because your your brain is activated to so all all that i do all these processes we do naturally it's about making it doing it consciously and doing it with a purpose really to get the outcome yeah. that we're looking for as opposed to the outcome well we often when i ask clients what they want they often tell me what they don't want and i'm like well what you're going to get because that so essentially that's that that would probably about be about six every session clients have work to do afterwards between sessions to embed their learning 
How much material do you have really in between important. the sessions? Is it sort of once a week or is it? Generally, to start off with, I will do once a week for the first four sessions. Um, it may, it may for the first three sessions, it depends on how fast the client moves. Um, and then they may be two weeks to a month between the last sessions as well. Right. It's kind of about really embedding, uh, getting the majority of the work done very, very quickly with a very, in a very supported way and then um, allowing the clients to carry on practicing their new behaviors, practicing their new habits and getting confident with doing that by themselves and then just having check-ins, you know, if anything crops up. Because sometimes, you know, when people make quite big changes at the unconscious level, their life does quite does change quite a lot, and it can rock the boat with the people around them. I can imagine, yes. And and that can be the challenge because what we say, I, I mean, the way we look at it is, is that what it's doing is it's provoking the, the people around them. It's making them uncomfortable because they realise and they see how much somebody can change. And they know this old person. It's the familiar person. It's like, in, like in our, in, when you, in your family, as we always, when you have the same old arguments yeah. and you, you can kind of like guess what's going to happen. Yeah. Pattern the pattern we run. Yeah, yeah. But by changing that, you know, it can be quite challenging for people because it's comfortable. It's, it's again, you're, you're maybe provoking somebody else to that perhaps they could do this change as well, or that they've got some responsibility to be making some kind of changes and, yeah, they feel like they're, they're having the apple cart upset. But ultimately, it's, again, depending on your perspective. You know, if you have a growth mindset, it's kind of like, yeah, we can all change. I mean, how much have we changed in the last year? We've been forced to, but this shows that we can change. And that, that's my, my, that will be my argument from going, for, going forward, because I never believe that change is hard. I believe that that's a, again, it's a decision that we make. I'll just... I've never, when I was a child as well, I used to go, I used to wonder why people would say, oh, but change is hard. And I was like, no, it's not. It's just, we decide, we make it hard. I think change is only hard when you resist it. Uh, If you want change to happen, then my experience at the very least is it's easy and it's pleasurable and it's positive. Um, But when you want that change. Yeah, like when we get a new phone or anything you know yeah anything that is like oh yes or a new a new car or or those those external things but um it's the yes it's quite often it's the internal things where we believe that it's it's crazy you know again it's it's a it's a belief and and i tell you i just have to say is the re i had um i had a session with somebody my dad died when i had a lot of death happen in a very short space of time and I, I went and I had some uh, I decided to do this healing it's called theta DNA healing and I sat there and I, I was going through the whole part of the grief thing with around my dad and I was yeah. focusing on this and and I said oh it's really hard and the woman said to me it's as hard or as easy as you want to make it and that has never ever left me you know, in terms of those major changes, it actually was, it reframed everything for me because I said, yes, I can hold on to this for the rest of, for however long, or I can, I can view it in a different way. So yes, I've had some great teachers in my time. Changes, change is often natural. It's a natural thing to change as life goes on. So it does depend on your outlook on things. Yeah. In terms of the, obviously what the, what you do is, is that done only on a one-to-one basis or are you, you, you mentioned about couples, obviously you can change the, dy- the dynamics, should we say, or upset the, the uh, apple cart, as you mentioned earlier. Do you do couples training or is it best done on a one-to-one basis? No, I, I work, I will work with couples as well, relationship um, coaching. Um, some of it may be done separately. And then it's, there's always got to be um, more together yeah. sessions yeah. together. So it could be that the one session each would be separate to start off with, because that will give me a good understanding of the two, the different perspectives and the dynamic that might be the issues that might be going on from my perspective, because when they're together, they will behaving, be behaving differently. 
Yeah, no, so, yeah. I can see that. Would people or do people uh, have more than one problem or issue that they want to resolve? What can happen is, is they'll come with several problems. And what we, I do um, with them is to find the problem underneath the problem. Okay. So quite often is by going a little bit deeper is that we will find there's an underlying problem. Right. Okay. Um, and by, by removing, so for example, some of the limiting beliefs, what I found, we'll find, by working on people letting go of stuff from the past, the negative emotions held on, um, uh, on significant events, we go further than that. But um, when, they, when they do all of this, this process, time mind therapy is incredibly powerful. It, it's just such an incredibly powerful. It's used with people who have PTSD as well. So, okay. yeah, used for phobia removal. It's a very, very um, powerful it's yeah way of rewiring the mind um and by removing it all of that other stuff underneath what ends up happening is we'll come and check on the problem and the person might say well it's not there anymore it's gone i feel differently and that and that's that's why it's so important to to really get underneath all of that surface stuff it's about doing the maximum amount of work and making the maximum amount of change with the least amount of intervention, essentially, because that's why it makes it quick. That's why it is quick. It's not about being being in, in, in sessions for weeks and weeks on end, really. And it's not a magic wand. You must be clear about saying that. It's not a magic wand. It does require each client to take action, and it can be challenging, quite challenging, because it depends on what a good grip how much the client actually wants to hold on their pro hold on to their problems sometimes. And it's about kind of getting that out in the open and becoming really honest with ourselves or with the client becoming really honest with themselves and then ch checking. I mean, I'm checking that I had this one client I had that I was just, I was just, I had, I couldn't work with, I couldn't work with her. Um, and so, yes, it's identifying that and kind of there's no judgment, but it's no judgment about any of this. It is what it is. It's just about, OK, how are we going to how are we going to get rid of this? Because we can we can get rid of the second what we call it secondary gain. Yeah. When somebody gets something from doing their problem, it might be attention. It might be a, a certain a certain response, um, a certain bit of feedback. It might be any of those things. And um it's about kind of identifying, okay, what can we replace that with? It's not about, we don't want to leave any gaps in anyone's life. We don't want to leave any holes. Because often when people are making change, they're thinking about what they're going to lose. And it's about what are you going to gain? It's, it's, it's just kind of making that seamless, seamless change and moving, removing the other thing. Because it's about making it more, e it's making it happen easily and more effortlessly. It's not about this belief that change has to be hard or that, you know, it's got to be a struggle and all the language that people we hear around it, suffering. And that language is laden with, gosh, it's going to be a battle as well. Often the, the thought of something, uh, whether that's painful, negative or whatever it might be, is far worse than reality. And to some extent I, I might be wrong, but, um, I can see why people would come to you and think this is going to be so difficult, so hard. I'm never going to be able to do it. And the reality is nothing like that. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if that's what people, if that's what people want to, to believe and that's going to get them change, that's exactly what we'll do is we'll, we'll make it like that because it's about the client. And the other thing is also really uh, is, is teaching the client about understanding their mind. So recognizing how our emotional limbic response is set up to, you know, fire that fear, fire the negativity, because we have what's called a negativity bias. I personally do believe that we focus on that far too much. Yeah. Um, because there are there, there are those of us who are absolute optimisms. I, I, my mum was an my mum is an optimist, and oh, thank you that I grew up with her because I'm an optimist. So it's recognizing that that yes, there is this, but it doesn't have to be like that. 
it's, it can be something else as well. Because just as you can make it negative, we can make it positive because that therein lies the power of this thing that we've got on our shoulders. You know, we've got an incredible, incredible potential. You think about people who've lost the ability to walk, people who've lost half of their, you know, brain, their ability yeah. to communicate, yeah. and they're able to learn to walk and talk again. They're no different from you or I or anyone else. Yeah. Oh, well, they're only different because of the way that they think. Yeah. Their decision that they've made about making those changes, that they're not going to be limited. So if they can do it, we can all do it. And, and yeah, I mean. Does it, every single person have some form of blocker or issue that uh, if they could overcome that, their lives would be much more enriched or better? Or are there individuals where they've, they, they have got any problems whatsoever and they don't need it? Um, well, I think that if, if, people, if people's lives work for them, if they're happy, if they're content, yeah. I think there's a huge amount to be said for contentment. Yeah. And if what they do sounds, if, they, if the way they do things looks really bizarre to somebody else, but it works, you know, it's not about changing people who don't want to change. It's, and it's about enabling people to be that amazing, the individuals that they are, you know, the diversity of thinking in human beings. And some of it can sound, you know, seem really bizarre to other people. That doesn't mean to say it's any less valid. So I think we have, we all have problems. We all have blocks. Yeah. It depends on, um, when when we when we realize that perhaps it's it's holding us up so if, for example every time we in business every time we get to the next level we will perhaps face a block that that fear yeah. now we can work it out for ourselves or we can get a coach and you yeah. know, a coach to have coaches because it's seen as a valuable a valuable thing to do is yeah. is to have the accountability to have to come on to someone's come and go, come along and go no, you're not getting away with that. Stop trying to kid yourself. You know, that's a limiting, you know, that's a bit of a limiting belief going yeah. on there. And so it's like, for me, it's that human beings were evolving all the time. Yeah. We probably haven't got time to go into it, but there's a whole thing around um, something called spiral dynamics. And that's about, I don't know if you might have heard it, but it's about that we, we can look at it on a, an, a, world scale in terms of culture and, and society we can look at it on an individual scale as how we evolve we're born we're at one level of thinking we we go to the terrible twos where it become we're at another level of thinking yeah. and then we're evolving all of the time in terms of our complexity of ability to to do complex things and think in a complex way and some people will stay at a certain in, in a certain level of complexity and they're happy with that and that's fine yeah and other people always that wanting to evolve more and more and over over history as well human thinking has evolved in terms of its level of complexity if you think about the level of complexity we have to deal with yeah yeah you know human beings have evolved to deal with that to a degree but lots of people are feeling disconnected from that and it's causing them problems and i think you know around the the atmosphere of fear and control and, and the thinking you know there are things that we need to be paying attention to we really do need to be paying attention to because i think you know the, the generation of children that we have now are quite um fearful and anxious and yeah, they're not born yeah. like that. They're yeah. not born like that. They come from, you know, we come from adults who, who, who have become that. So we're all in it, you know, we're, it's, it's a responsibility of each and every one of us. So, um, yes. I think, well, I, well, I think we all have, I think we need to be conscious, obviously, what we're doing to children. And as you say, there are so many children at the moment who are anxious about the world and obviously themselves and where they fit in and what does their future look like. And uh, I think that's been very much heightened over the last 12 months for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, let me touch on uh, another passion of yours, uh, which you mentioned um, before we started recording, and that is um, about changing the world and the planet and um, 
So tell us more about that because uh, that actually struck a chord with me earlier. Oh, oh did it? Okay. Did, yeah. Oh, I'd love to yeah, from, hear, from, hear from your perspective around that as well. So one of the things, again, when I worked with children, I worked on a city farm. So it was all very much about connecting with the earth, about environment. You know, I've always been very interested in the environment. I've always been very interested in the production of food and how different systems connect. So this connects into um, spiral dynamics. It's about systems thinking. So a human being doesn't exist. And none of my clients, they don't exist in isolation. They exist within their relationship to themselves, within their relationship to the people around them, within the relationship to the environment that they live in, the society, et cetera, and so yeah. on and so forth. It goes out. So for me, again, um, this is about everything is energy. We're transmitting energy all the time. We're absorbing energy. So energy can't be made or, you know, broken. It's just, it's just trans, transformed. Yeah. It's just transmitted. It's, yeah, shared. So essentially, I, my belief is that what I do has an effect on the rest of the world. It has a knock on. There's a ripple, ripple effect. And I've always wanted to, I've never had children, but I've loved children. And I've always wanted to leave, I believe, and this is a Native American um, view, is that we hold the world in trust for the next generation. So what we do and the decisions that we make need to think about that. My decision, I don't live, no, I'm not, I'm, everything I do has an, has an effect. So what I cause has an effect. So it's about, for me, personal responsibility. And thinking about how I live and how I act and how I behave and how I can share that with other people as well, essentially, to have that knock-on effect to make the world a better place, really. So whilst I maybe have some strong views about what's going on and, and it may kind of days you know, get me down, I still have, it's, there's always hope for me. There's always this belief that, you know, I still can create some change. I still can yeah. make, my, my, my motto is um, make, a, make a difference, leave a mark. So that's essentially yeah. what I live by is, is making a difference to make it, make it better. To the African proverb, uh, it takes a whole village to raise a child. So it's my responsibility, even if I don't have children, to consider people around me. And, the, and the, for me, it's fundamentally the next generation because um, they're, they're ultimately, in my opinion, that's what I do. That's who I do everything for. It really, it really is. is that's, that was my, um, my light bulb moment a few years ago um, when I just realized is that all my decisions are based on the fact that I want to leave the world a better mm -hmm. place for the next generation. That's why I work with children. I mean, you know, because I absolutely love their imagination, their creativity. And, and yeah, I think, you know, we don't respect children enough, in my opinion. But there we go. For their thinking, for their amazing thinking, <laughs> their disruptive thinking. They are a different way of thinking. As I said, you, I think it's magical because, again, we touched on this early, uh, before we started recording, is... Uh, they will definitely ask you questions that no adult will ever ask you. Um, and those questions can really get you thinking or stump you. And you know it's a great question, but it would only ever come from a child. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, wouldn't it be amazing to maintain that level of imagination yeah. and creativity? Yeah. And, and it is because they have that, the as a, as a critical barrier between their unconscious and their conscious mind it's not it's not rigid so therefore they especially before the age of seven they operate in in that space in between essentially yeah so they will the, the imaginary world and the real world are much they're not so separate and actually when we you know in hypnosis as well we will go into that state because literally what happens as well is, is there's a physical thing that's going on. When children are born, they have their brain waves um, are very, very slow. 
And then, you know, early first years, they're in what's called theta, which is the yeah. dream state. So they have brain waves are quite slow. And, and then they will develop into alpha, which is fast in their teenagers. And then as adults and young adults will go into what's called beta. So they're very fast brain waves. But as adults, we have access to all of those speeds. So, and then we also have gamma, which is that bolt of inspiration, which is when we're in perfect. We have that Probably, yeah. light bulb yeah. moment when, when essentially all it's just, yeah, the brainwave just shoots in one, in one way and everything comes together. When you understand that, that makes us, you know, imagine if, and I love to say to people, you know, everything around us was once a figment of somebody's imagination, obviously Correct. nature, yeah. but your chair, everything you look, isn't that incredible? So that was the figment. They created it twice, once in their mind and once in reality. So that's what we're doing all of the time. You know, so children will be doing that constantly and we will be doing that actually just the moment we, when we go to sleep and the moment we wake up in the morning. So why not put that to use and think about what we can be and how we can have our day and put that in our mind whilst we're in the dream state, put it into our unconscious mind and utilize that. It probably shows how important sleep is to us. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> oh yes, it's incredibly important. <laughs> also, you know, for stress levels and everything. Um, anxiety, having a lack of sleep increases our anxiety. So it, it well, makes us feel like the, the life is more manageable and problems are easier to resolve. In, t- in terms of the problems you have with, um, I mean, you're working with children as well, you said, yeah? Currently, I don't work with children. Okay. I've had some clients, young clients. The tendency is, is um, the youngest they've worked with is 12 years, 12 years old, and doing hypnosis with their parents there when they've got their eyes open. It's really hilarious when their the parents are quite disconcerted. It's like, yeah, child will go into trance with their eyes open. <laughs> are there opportunities for you to do more of that, uh, working with children through NLP? Or is, or is it something in terms of outside of that where you want to get more involved with and uh, you know, help change uh, the world that um, will improve it for our kids? So. I would. So in terms of my business, it's about yeah. that focus, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. We, we encourage, because I'm quite new in business, it's yeah. the focus at the moment is on the NLP training. What I yeah. would love and, and what is obviously going to bring in income which education doesn't have money. My personal belief is we had NLP in schools and there are some teachers who are trained in NLP and you know, there are, and and they have a different approach. They will look at children in a different way because has different and, and, and change their teaching to meet children's different needs, different way of learning. But for me is if a child understands how their mind works, that's really empowering. Because it means then that they know that they can be the problem solver, that they have the capacity to, you know, and, and it's the critical thinking. And therein can be a bit of a challenge is when we have critical thinkers, we have people who challenge. We have people who say, I don't agree with that. And this is the reason why. And they'll be reasoning in, in a way so that, you know, it could be that do we really want lots of people like that? We need, a, var- we need a variety of people. So, so no, well, I mean, my personal belief is, yes, we do. But I would say is, is that can be quite challenging to the powers that be. Again, when people feel it's about ego as well. I think that some adults can feel intimidated by the questions it, because children's questions sometimes reveal their, lim- their limitations. Yeah. And there's no judgment yeah. on this. Again, yeah. it's revealing the things that they find difficult. And often that we find is that they'll put children down because of that. And, and I certainly, that was my experience as a child is that I would question things and people would just tell me I was being, not being so stupid, you know, thing, yeah. things like that. And it's not about that. You know, a good teacher is I learned from my clients. Yeah. I learned from all of my, everyone I teach. And it's, it's that collaborative approach. It's not having that e- ego. It's recognizing that, yeah, the child is younger, but they're going to come out with some amazing ideas. And I remember that in the playground. And I'd sit there and I'd go, how on earth did you come in and think about that? That's amazing. You know, it's just, and, and 
let's embrace that because this is innovation and this is creativity. And, and can we bring play into, and this is my other, bring you play into business. Yeah, no, I'm definitely all for that. So do you have, is it an opportunity for you to be able to go into schools and do more of this with uh, children? Currently, it's not something I focused on. Again, it's about, um, there may be, but I think one of the ways in, and I did look at it early on, was around going in on an inset day and basically teaching teaching pet, basically doing a session with the teachers to get them to understand the NLP communication model insofar as then that they can pass that on to children, but also yeah. that they can then differentiate their teaching a bit more and recognize that yes, is, is that would be one way in, um, is to encourage teachers to start to teach differently without the labels. Because, um, yeah, again, in NLP, we don't do labels. So yeah, I just wondered also with regards to, you know, the, the period that we've gone through and with children certainly stressing over, you know, uh, their education, et cetera, and obviously what the future holds for them, whether or not there is maybe more of an opportunity now than it's ever been to be able to get into the classroom and uh, share these uh, uh, practices with people. So, with the well, if you have anyone who is, if anyone is listening who is interested, then they can contact me. But one of the things that um, is, I think currently, is schools are so focused on on maintaining their set, doing that focus yeah. on the safety. And I know this yeah. is from our after school clubs, from because I teach play workers, is that they're so focused on meeting the guidelines and, and there's a lot of fear around doing that and yeah, restrictions. Perhaps they they have and again, yes, all the schooling and, yeah, and pressure yeah. from externally that children have got to catch up on their schooling, which is absolutely from that old school view that there yeah. is only one way of learning. Because there isn't. Yeah. Children will be learning all the time. Yeah. When they've not been at school, some some, you know, in ways some some more than other but i i just think that focus on the education has to happen in a certain way that that formal way in school is we're missing a trick i mean then yeah don't get me started on the education system but um <laughs> i think it's again yeah recognizing that perhaps we just need that little bit of time and and in a way children need to just kind of get back for their friends yeah that yeah. they're incredibly resilient and they're incredibly if we let them be and we support them as well. We encourage them all of the time. They they will find a lot of the time they will find their own own way. They're far more capable than we actually um, our society kind currently um, gives them credit. We've I think we've considerably infantilized children over certainly yeah. it, over the over the last twenty plus years. And the children can be very resilient. They are very very resilient. Giving them the right. And it's just about having some constancy, really, and having that one, at least one adult in their life who they can rely on, who they yeah. can feel safe yeah. around. Yeah. 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 We are coming towards the end. Um, there's a question I like to ask all of my guests. And that question is, uh, what does wealth mean to you? So, Fenella, what does wealth mean to you? Wealth to me means variety of experiences um the opportunity to learn um wealth is actually the quality of my relationships with other people as well i think the connection for me human beings are yeah they're an absolute necessity in in my life um having that connect really deep connection with other human beings um, and of course, wealth is having a nice life and it's having, yeah. being, you know, having, an, having a nice home. Um, and I'm very much more focused on now that I want to build and I, I've made my own provision for wealth. So I'm yeah. quite, I've taken responsibility for that. Good. So obviously, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, that's important to me. But for me, my next part for me is going to be wealth is to be able to, um, is to be able to build sufficient capacity in my business where I can actually give some money donate to um to to uh well I want to donate give money to adventure playgrounds because they're my I love them I just yeah. think they're so amazing places to be so I would like to 
for me, wealth would also be able to do be, to do that is to financially contribute to um, organisations where I cut my teeth and also that I think are really, really valuable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, wealth means a lot of things to me. Well, wealth means a lot of things and it means different things to different people. And, and that changes. That also changes over time. Um, but I'm glad to see that you as um, combine obviously what you're doing and also as you've, you know, your passion is to help uh, the world become a better place, um, but starting with children. So I think that's fantastic. So, Fenella, if people want to work with you, uh, how best would they find you? So you can connect with me on LinkedIn under my name, Fenella Hemus, or you can connect with me via my website at www.abovebeyondcoaching.co.uk. Brilliant. I will put those links up in the show notes. And um, you can find me also, I have a Facebook group, which is called Magnificent Minds, because that's my favourite word. So yeah, nice. private Facebook, where, where I post regularly, I do videos and um, offer co uh, valuable content around NLP, and thinking consciously and more effectively. So yeah, Magnificent Minds. Uh, that's great. Uh, you've got uh, plenty of uh, places where people can find you. So, Vanella, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today. I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure my listeners are going to. And I've learned an awful lot. Um, there's lots of things I didn't know about uh, NLP. Um, so I'm, I know a lot more than I did when we started our conversation today. So thank you for that. And um, I might be in touch for uh, other things going forward. So I might need to learn more about this. So uh, like thank you. Thank you for coming on, uh, coming on the show. Thanks very much, Tony. It's been lovely, lovely to chat with you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find links to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about what I do or see more great money tips to build a secure and a happy lifestyle, then you can find all of these on my website, ttwealth.co.uk, on my YouTube channel, TTWealth. If you want to work with me, then why not book a free 30-minute call to find out how. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also produce a bi-monthly newsletter, TT Wealth News, which contains practical money tips that is free for you to download from my website. And if you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something that you've enjoyed and you think will benefit someone you know, then please do share with them. I'm sure they will appreciate it. So it's goodbye until next time. And remember, live for today, invest for tomorrow.